970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elliman's CEO, Dottie Herman. Good, good morning. It's a great day today. I love this time of year, even though I like summer better, but I love the fall weather, which is crisp and it's still not nice out. Um, when you're listening to I Am Real Estate, I'm here with Ace Wise Supar, Pi Ace, and Steve Ebert, our legal person, our legal legal. And um, Hi, Dottie. Ace, do you want to tell us what's going on in the mortgage hey. business? Yeah, it's been uh, just just like what you guys have been talking about. Can you hear me, Daddy? Yes. Yeah. So, so just like what you and Stephen were talking about the first hour, basically it's um you know it's a, it's a busy market, right? Especially on the mortgage side, we're seeing folks refinance. We're seeing folks um, apply for pre-approvals. It's definitely a buyer's market. There are pockets of New of New York that are just extremely, extremely robust. Um, Long Island being one of them, Westchester being another, Connecticut being another, and then you have pockets of Brooklyn. And in New York City, we're seeing um, customers make offers, and, and I've sat down with so many customers myself saying, hey, Ace, I've been on the sidelines for the last five years. I finally feel like I can afford something with such low rates, and they're getting – apartments at such a discount where they couldn't even enter the market the last five years, Dottie. So there's a lot of activity, right? So a lot of good signs happening in, in the marketplace. So don't be too sort of, I, I can't even explain it. I mean, Stephen said it best, you know, sometimes the media tends to portray such a negative outlook on things, especially in New York City. But if you're a buyer, this may be the perfect storm in terms of, you know, prices are priced right. Um, finally, right after like five, six, seven years, and rates are at such an all-time low, Dottie. Like you're talking about a 30-year fixed rate below three percent, like 2.875, right? It's almost like free money. Almost, as, it's almost as good as Bank of Mom and Dad, where you don't have to pay anything right, back, right? right. But you remember, like, I always say the Bank of Mom and Dad. You always bad. say that, However, Dottie. You always say Bank of Mom and Dad. So, although now, now that I have bank, kids, I think my interest rates are going up. <laughs> well, you know, we, you know, we, we've increased our interest rates, <laughs> at least in our, in our bank, bank is, mom and dad. The bank mom and dad is tougher. They're getting very exactly. competitive. Exactly. The, the banks are catching up. But, Dottie, I mean, in all seriousness, for our listeners on, on, on today's show, you know, I, I think it would, be, it would behoove anyone that's looking to purchase just to kind of, you know, talk to a loan officer. Go into your local bank. You know, call call us here at Citizens Bank. Call call the radio show and just inquire. Right, an, an apartment that you never thought you could afford could be within your reach because rates are at such an all time low. Remember, last year rates were at, hovering right around four percent. This year it's below three, and and believe me, we're never going to see rates like this in our lifetime. Right, like this is going to be the lowest that we're gonna, going to see, and you're going to be benefiting from it down the line when rates start 
trickling up to the 4%, 5%, 6%, you're going you're gonna to be so thankful that you locked in you know, something at such a low rate because that's, go- that's going to give you that leverage down the line. You know, as, as real estate starts to appreciate, you're going to be locked in at such a low payment. It's, it's, you're, it's, you're going to save thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, if not more. So, can I, And also, can I just add literally, I, I kid you not, we had a client signing a contract on Thursday, and he said to me, he goes, Steve, the reason I can do this deal is I looked at a similar property as this one a year ago, and literally right now, because of market and rates, I am paying $1,000 plus less a month on this comparable property than I looked at a year ago. Yeah, his words. That's that's a real conversation that people are having every single day, Stephen. Right? Apartments that they thought they couldn't afford last year, just a year later, because rates are so low that they can afford it now. So, you know, do yourself a favor, call us here on the show, inquire about your financial sort of um, situation, and and we'll we'll help you, you know, get into get into um, an apartment or whether you want to refinance and just take out a little bit more liquidity. I mean, there's so many things that you can do with knowing what, what you can afford and, and, you know, with the low rates in today's marketplace. And you always say this, and I think some people tend to, like, when they go to a real estate broker, they'll say, here's, I can spend X. Okay, like, I can, I'll look for properties up to 750000 or I'll look at properties up to a half a million, or I'll look at properties to a million. Okay, they give a, a price of the apartment, and I think as you always say, it's not the price of the apartment. It's what your monthly payments. So I think the first thing you have to do is look at what you are comfortable with spending per month. Not, okay, because people look at the price of the apartment when it's really not about that. It's about, because obviously the monthlies are going to be a lot higher if the interest rates are higher, even if the price is lower. So look at what you are reasonably comfortable with spending per month. And then call, you know, Ace or call us on the show, or you can go to our Facebook page and put questions in there. Um, and, you know, we will see what we can do because, really, it is a great time to buy. Now, are the interest rates, um, are they different? I mean, like, does, um, do rates vary by state? Ace, um, do like, they are vary they different, like, in Florida than they are here? No, if, if you go with a national lender, and when I mean a national lender, you know, you're talking about, like, let's say Citizens Bank, um, Chase, Citibank, Wells Fargo, where, you know, they have a, a national footprint, rates are going to be the same, right? So it's it's the same across the board. Now, there could be pockets of different areas where they give special incentives, where you may get a little bit of a discount um, on the rate, depending on your credit score and things of that nature. But for the most part, Rates are pretty much the same across the board, um, but you but you should inquire within your local marketplace what specials they have. They could have a special in that specific region or whatnot. But for the most part, the base rate is always um, somewhat the same, Dottie. So yeah, now some of the things yeah. that you know we often tell people when they're looking to get a mortgage. And again, I think it takes you know like a amount of minutes, and you can do it online. You can call us. You can get information at 3 o'clock in the morning if that's when you, if you can't sleep. Um, but you always focus on your credit. Of course, we always have people for credit telling you that credit is key because the rates are predicated on your credit, the better credit that you have. Like if you see there's a great rate, 
You might not get that rate if you have bad credit. So always focus on your credit first. Make sure your credit's in, in, in place. And um, I think a rule of thumb is to keep your credit card, card balances within 30% of the credit limit. Like don't, don't take them to the, you know, use all your available credit. And, um, you know, make, but you want to use them, but not, but if you think that you're going to be buying a house, you're in the market for them in the next six months, year, try not to make any big purchases, right? And then sometimes it's a matter of maybe if you have a car loan, paying it off or something. I think ACE can help you and the Citizens Bank can help you tell you, like, if you got rid of this payment, if you paid, maybe you have six months left or a year, then you might get a better rate. Now, down payment, ACE, can you still put 10% down? Depending on course, if you're you can, it. Yeah, you can even put as little as 5% down. Um, so at Citizens Bank, we have a program where you can put 5% down all the way up to 850000 10% down all the way up to $2 million. We understand that so it's a, a different... Second. Slow down. So you're telling Go people, ahead. because I don't think, you know, people might have heard it, but they don't really realize it. You can, if your credit's good, you can put 5% down at a program with Citizens Bank. Up to eight hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars. Up to fifty thousand, so not not so bad, Dottie. You know, it's it's um, that's a good loan size for someone to put only five percent down. Obviously, you would have to have um, great credit, good credit, and um, your income will have to be able to afford um, that payment. But you know, banks are 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 definitely confident. I mean, look, you know, the economy is where it's at today, but banks have have continued to create programs and still lending responsibly, right? We're not back to 2009 or, or 2008 during the recession where we were giving loans to everybody. We're still checking credit. We're still checking the ability to repay the loan. But if you check all the boxes, there's amazing programs out there for all of our listeners to take advantage of a low down payment program. So, right. it's, um, and, it's, you know, I've always told people if you're willing and you have to have the right temperament for it, but people, if they're always looking, you know, I really think if you buy right, buying a, like a two-family house and being able to rent that is a good, um, it's, it's a good starter investment. And I think it's, look, there are many people that love the stock market. Uh, obviously, I love real estate, and I think it's a little bit easier to predict because real estate, unlike stocks, doesn't usually fall overnight, you know, unless there's like some specific thing that happens so you know you can you know you could really buy a two-family house a legal two-family you know in the new york area and really not have to put that much down maybe you can put 10 percent down and then you can look at the rental incomes and what that you know what that that works out to and really get your set up self set up if you don't mind what goes along with being a landlord because there's you know you have to have the temperament to be a landlord um, but you can really then have some like uh, something that over the long term is going to yield you a nice income. So, you know, people think about when they retire. So there's a lot of things, there's, you know, as bad as what's going on now, and I have to tell you, I really think it's sometimes it's ugly. <laughs> okay. And I, I, I sometimes hope that, you know, everybody really just gets it together and says, hey, look, you know, we're one, and I, I, you know, like the sentiments come back that's had we had after 9-11 where, hey, this politics shouldn't divide the world. You know, we're Americans. We, we live here. We love America. We, 
we're all Americans, and I hope that we all stick together because division doesn't help anybody. But there also is things of opportunities, and as I said, when we had 9-11, uh, I think, nice, you live downtown, I mean, you could yeah. give away some of those apartments. I mean, you couldn't give them away. I mean, there was just nothing. And then if you lived on a high floor, forget it. Nobody, you know, because of 9-11, that was a high floor. Nobody wanted to buy that. People who bought that really, they tripled and quadrupled their investment. So Body and it's good today to it's, look it's at this. Yeah. And, and, and Dottie, to your point on, on a two-family, right, um, I can tell you my second property that I ever bought about 15, 16 years ago was a two-family out in Far Rockaway. It was a project called Arvin-by-the-Sea. Arvin I rented out one apartment, and I used the other apartment as a second home. It was a home right by the beach. And I can tell you 15 years later, uh, my tenant on the, on the top floor has been paying my mortgage for the last 15 years, and I've basically been able to utilize the two family for free. So if you're interested in, in learning about how to invest, what to look for, and if the numbers make sense, give us a call and we can sort of and give you a crack. Maybe, you know, time. Ace, I would love yeah. you to cover that on uh, maybe next week's show a little bit because you have, Definitely. you know, for a young guy, and I know you, you know, <laughs> forever, I think, but it, I know, I've always I know. looked up to you as a human being and also that you're really smart and you started investing in real estate in your 20s, if I recall, in my 20s, you know, and, in my 20s, uh, and um, in my 20s, yeah. yeah, so you're somebody who doesn't just talk the talk, you've done it, and you strategically have done it, and of course there's a risk, but there's a risk to walk across the street, so, you know, you know, there's always a little risk, but I look at the interest rates, and, you know, putting them in the bank, I mean, you just, I think you're going to go backwards, because the interest rates are so low. So that would be something good if you could give some people next week some tips on just what to look if you're buying the first investment property or maybe you want to buy a legal two-family and maybe live in one of the apartments and rent another one. Um, so there's a lot of opportunities, and, and, and the more that you know about it and the more information, I mean, even myself, when I want to get information, I just call up a lot of people, too, and I kind of pick their brains. I'm always learning. And um, I feel safer with real estate. That's me. So I'm just giving you my opinion. Um, the stock market, like overnight, something can tumble. I mean, overnight, yeah. your stock could be X, and then overnight, they could fall. Okay? And unless you're a day trader and you're watching that every second of the day, to me, that's tough. I think if you buy properly, and again, we cannot guarantee anything, but if you assume that over time, and all that analysts can do is look at, over time, what's happened to real estate, you know, and, and over time, it's had its ups and its downs, but you're also looking at an interest rate environment that is unprecedented. Yes. Okay. I mean, you, and if, and if you don't need a 30-year mortgage, and if you can do a 50, what, what are the rates on like a 15-year mortgage? Well, you can get an adjustable mortgage, and even, even one adjustable, you know, you can always refinance. I mean, I bought my first okay. house. Ace, when the rates were probably 16%. I know, and I know. I took an adjustable arm, like, you know, a, like a five-year or seven-year adjustable arm, okay, that I got like at 11% or something like that. I don't know. And um, people just kind of still bought, but they just bought, you know, they bought using different vehicles, maybe adjustable mortgages because they were cheaper. And then, or sometimes the owners participated in financing. And, 
um, they made it work, and then they refinanced. You are at, remember what we're saying, and I, and I can't emphasize this a month enough, unprecedented mortgage rate, interest rates. So people don't look at that enough. If you borrow money at 5 or 6%, which to me is like an average rate. I mean, we've been low very long, but, I mean, like when I bought, the rates were 15%. And uh, so you you really have an opportunity to buy something either by, uh, you know, uh, uh, that's really going to cost you a lot more down the road. So I think that it's worth looking at, and I think it's a great opportunity. What are the interest rates on like a a seven-year arm, like an adjustable seven-year rate? Yeah, on a seven-year arm, we're looking... We're looking right around 2.75, Dottie. On a 15-year term, we're looking at 2.5. So, I mean, the rates are just And on a jumbo, about 2.6 or 2.7. I mean, yeah, so 2. those 7, are, yeah. yeah, so I, I, I just really try to tell people that at least take the time to do your homework. We all get so busy. And then, again, if you listen to the news, I think you want to uh, – well, if you're a psychiatrist or you're, you don't want to kind of say, let me just end this. So you just can't because the, the news really, they never, they don't get paid to say it's sunny and everything is happy. Um, so they're always projecting the worst of the worst, in my opinion, uh, no matter what news you listen to. But there are some wonderful opportunities now, and the world is going to go on, and eventually we're going to find the vaccine for this, and eventually we are going to get through with through this. And people still have to live somewhere. Uh, we've been through tough times, and I remember, I think I was sitting with you, Ace, when, and when the banks, when people going to the banks to take their money out, and you couldn't, you couldn't even, like the lines on the banks, and I, and I said, oh, then there goes Merrill Lynch. I mean, I couldn't believe that time was happening. And uh, we got through it. 9-11, we get to it. Yeah. We will get through this also. Um, at the same time, life goes on, so we have to kind of look at the future, too. Um, Stephen, I know we were supposed to talk about, because we started last week about residencies, but did you want me to postpone that for a reason? Yeah, you know, I'm gonna. What I want to do is bring in my colleague and tax partner. We do a lot of uh, residency planning work together, where we pull the real estate and tax resources all in one. And let me, we'll we'll pick a time. I'll bring them on so that way we can give some real in depth, because there's a lot of real nuances. Both people who might have multiple properties in and around the city, and also people properties in different states. So we, we can uh, go a little bit more in depth on that for some folks. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is, because I did promise that we finish it today, so if you don't mind, we'll let you know. Um, you know, Stephen, you'll let us know, and we can do that so we, we can send out that information to you on our sites. Um, but we were going to talk about, um, the, you know, the COVID epidemic raised several issues related to the residency rules, and uh, that might result in many audits, and you don't want to get audited. Um, so... I know we have a commercial. So we would like to go through those residency rules with you so that you don't get ordered, but if you do, that you pass it. Because they're pretty strict on them. And I will, I'm, I'm going to get interrupted, so I'll just finish quickly after this, and then Stephen um, will let us know when we can do that. We'll be right back. You're listening to I Am Real Estate. I'm here with Stephen Ebert and Ace for Tupac. We'll be right back at the break. Balance of Nature's Fruits and Vegetables in a Capsule. 
changing the world one life at a time. The product that you have given me here is, as far as I'm concerned, sent to me from heaven. My immune system has got to be at a top-notch level. I don't seem to get colds or anything. I love Balance of Nature. I have great energy, and I think Balance of Nature is the best complete nutrition product that anybody could take. It's a wonderful product. I highly recommend it. I've been taking vitamins off and on my whole adult life, and I've never seen any change. Not like this, not since I've been on Balance of Nature. I mean, I'm over 50, and, you know, your body starts wearing down. But Balance of Nature has literally changed my life. It really has. I had begun to notice after 10 days with Balance of Nature, I felt better, more energetic. And believe me, for me, that's something because I have energy anyway. But I just felt a difference with this. We've all heard it. Eat healthy. But what does eating healthy mean? Sure, there are countless diets out there, but they contradict each other. Yet all experts agree we should eat a diet rich in fruits and vegetables. Whole fruits and vegetables are the perfect fuel to power the cells in your body, giving you the stamina you need to handle your day-to-day -day activities. And that's what Balance of Nature is. Whole fruits and vegetables delivered to you in a convenient capsule form for only 22 cents a serving. Our proprietary blend has no additives or fillers, just the full nutritional value of a variety of 31 different fruits and vegetables. Balance of Nature provides you with a natural energy boost without a caffeine crash, a three o'clock slump, or an early bedtime. Experience the Balance of Nature difference for yourself by going to balanceofnature.com or by calling 1-800-2468-751 and use discount code THEANSWER. Here are the facts. Your business needs leads and sales. There are potential customers online right now looking for what you do. Will they find you or your competitor? You need Salem Surround. Having to do your own digital marketing while trying to manage your business, well, there's just not enough time in the day. You need Salem Surround. You're doing all you can to market your business, but are you sure you have the right strategy or seeing a great return on investment? You need Salem Surround. The marketing team here at Salem Surround is ready to help your business now. We'll design a plan that targets potential customers with proven marketing strategies, using everything in our toolkit to work for you. Digital, audio, mobile, even audience engaging contests and promotions. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your marketing plan and see how we can help place your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundnewyork.com surroundnewyork.com connecting you with new customers it's i on real estate got a question call 866-970-9622 here's douglas elements ceo dotty herman back to listening to i am real estate and before we take some more questions i just want to say about the new york uh, taxes and the residency, and if you're moving or if you're staying in New York, and Stephen's going to get one of the partners from his law firm to talk about that, I hopefully in the next week or two, because I do want to say that a lot of us um, had to shelter uh, down and didn't in the city. So some people did in Connecticut, some people did in Florida, some people did in the Hamptons. So not only are we talking state taxes, but I want to make sure we cover city taxes because New York City has a separate uh, city tax, and if you were, I know there are people that have been not in New York City for six months or more because they were sheltered, stay at home someplace else, 
and they might not be filing for city taxes. So I want to really cover that pretty intensely because I think that's an important thing, and I think that some people are doing it because they actually were in New York City for six months, and I'd love to get your partner's opinion on those things, Steve, too, if we can. Yeah, of course, definitely. We'll put that together. We'll, we'll make it a, a yeah, special there are uh, segment. People that I know that are saying, "Oh, you know, I really sheltered out, and I didn't. I wasn't in New York City for six months because I was in my second home, or I, I rented something outside of New York City." So I do want to not only going out of moving out of state, or you know what people say with Florida with the, the income tax. I want to talk also about the city taxes if we can. And with that, before I go on. Um, that we'll talk about um, evictions and things of that nature, which is not pleasant. But I want to take a question from Larry in Staten Island. Morning, Larry. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. Okay, uh, good. Uh, I am uneducated on, you know, real estate stuff. And uh, so uh, I have a question that might sound ignorant, but basically... All right, well... I live in a condo, and uh, we have a pool, and we have not had use of the pool because of the lockdown, but they're still charging us the common charges as if we had use of the pool. I'm wondering if I could try to sue them for money back, paying for services we're not getting. It's a good question because we're kind of a lot of us are in that position. Uh, What do you say, Steve? Um, I think it depends on how the rules um, are written. Um, one of the questions is, is the pool open to everyone in the condominium and you just pay a flat, you pay your monthly fee, and that includes the pool as part of it? Yes, Versus, that's it. Okay. And then let me just make another example, and then, and then I'll get into your situation. Versus you pay your monthly fee, and then you pay sort of a la carte for the pool. Um, no, since you yeah, since you fall into the first one, um, it's going it's going to be hard, and I, I don't I don't think you'd be successful. Um, again, without reading your rule, but most likely not. And the reason is, this is part of the general amenities, and the building's board does have discretion um, as to having things open or closed, um, and that falls within it. If you feel very strongly about it, which I can understand it's a real loss not having it, especially you know when there are summer months there you can either write into the board um, typically bylaws have a rule in which if enough residents disagree, they can overrule a board decision anyway. Um, of course, there are uh, elections each year uh, typically as well, so that's really the way to go, getting your voice heard. It's more of a democratic process um, when it comes to that, more than really a litigious one. Wow. Yeah, but I would think that, you know, I would think that everybody would feel the same way in your building. I mean, um, you know, and that's the same thing with gyms. A lot of buildings, the gyms are closed, and some of the amenities that uh, people paid for, basically, what do I say paid for when they bought they, that, that's one of the reasons they bought to have these amenities. They just haven't opened up. But I, I would say that if you if you get people involved, I would say that that would pretty much be a common. I wouldn't see many people that live there disagreeing with you. I couldn't. I would think they would all agree. If we're not, they wouldn't want to pay if it's not open. Yeah, I would uh-huh. try to also talk to management, talk to the board, and find out when they expect to open. 
take that answer, and if it's not satisfactory, put together a petition, you know, get your neighbors to sign on and present it and say, look, you know, you are not representing the will of the homeowners and either get in line or we're going to then use the bylaws and override you or vote you out. You know, that, that, that's, that's, it's, a, it's, it's a little bit of work, um, but, that, but that's the way to do it. All right. Uh, Keep us. I mean, I, I know there's no easy answers, but anything that you <laughs> most things that most things in life that aren't. So maybe you could start by just seeing if some of your fellow how how many people live in the building. A lot. Is it a big building or small? No, it's a complex. So it's a complex. So it's a lot. A lot of people. Yeah, a few hundred. So that's so maybe you could. Um, do you know anybody on the board, or maybe you can, because I think that's the way to go. Like, first of all, maybe I would first find out how how soon they plan to reopen it. And they might, you know, if they're going to reopen it very soon, I'm not sure if it would pay, um, even though you probably had no use of it for at least six months, eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's not going to be, like, indefinitely open, I, I think that, that that might, you know, get a lot of people's attention and at least you would get to be able to bring it up at the board meeting. And uh-huh. let me throw in two other points to you mind. Remember, this is it's not like you're paying into, you know, some outside company. Remember, any money that you're paying in does go into the association. So, you know, one keep in mind, um money's there, maybe it will help with reserves and other things. But the other thing, if it turns out that they're not meeting what your needs are, and, and there's really not, not giving you a good answer. The other way to approach it is I'm sure you're not the only person feeling this way. If it's a big complex, try to get a few friends who maybe are in different parts of the complex. You know, it's a daunting task for one person, but if you can get a half dozen other people who really feel strongly and want to put a little time in, all of a sudden now you start breaking down where you have to go and spend time and talk to people. So. That's the other also way to, to help out. Get a few other friends that feel the same way to work with you and target different parts of the complex to get people to sign up that petition. Uh-huh. All right. All right. Well, the people don't really stick together over here, so. Yeah, sometimes we can't tell you what you want to hear always because there's no yep. quick solutions to everything. But that's how life is, you know, that's how things change. You know, I always tell people, you can sit back and complain about things, which many people do. Um, and, you know, you have to pick your battles. You have to choose which ones you want to fight. And, it, like, uh, just my opinion, I just try to not fight things that I'm going to – like, I, I have to think I have an 80% chance of winning it. Um, but if you don't fight for things in life, if you don't fight for things that you're passionate about, you really don't get anywhere. So I think if there's something that's important to you – and you live in a homeowners association or a complex where there are others, um, and the majority of people feel like you, it certainly is worth bringing up. Uh-huh. Okay, it doesn't cost you anything to do that. Um, right. So that's my advice on that. Now, so we're going to do the okay. taxes soon, but we won't do them. Now, what about the evictions? Um I, I, there's an article, I think my, maybe I read it in the real deal, maybe I didn't, I forgot where I read it, but I did read it, so this is not an opinion. I read that um, Governor Cuomo, and I think everyone knows, announced plans to extend, extend residual eviction project protections 
so if you can't be evicted. Now he pushed that till January 1st. Um, he, you know, he wants to give uh, New Yorkers stability if you live in New York, and and he wants to give the renters stability. So uh, they, he laid out something. So, um, so that's the, the safe harbor. Can you explain, Stephen, what that tenant safe harbor act is? And I. And uh, you know uh, what what exactly that means to somebody who's renting who has not been able to pay the rent. Sure. Yeah. And what makes it more confusing is that there's also a few different sources, right? There there's state laws that keep on evolving and get extended. There's also a federal law if there's not a state law that covers it as well. Um, but let me first also make one point, which we've mentioned on the show a couple of times before, and I just want to make sure abundantly clear. Even if a landlord is not entitled to take action against you for nonpayment, reimbursement, eviction, um, that does not mean you don't have a legal and moral obligation to make the payment, and it doesn't mean at some point the remedies that the landlords have won't catch up with you. So even if they can't do anything to you today, just be forewarned. At some point, actions can happen, courts reopen, and and the more if you kind of kick the can down the road and not pay, this is, again, not a, it is not a you-get-free-rent law. What it is, it's I a... I ask you something, yeah. Stephen, and this I want to ask, because... I, I I get that, and maybe AC want to chip chip in on this because you know. And again, I think look, this is an extreme hardship for so many people, and we're all going through this. And I think whatever we can do to help people stay in their apartments at a time like this, we should. I also and I urge yeah. everyone on this show not if there's anyone I you know that takes it like if you can't pay, you can't pay. But if you can pay, you should pay. Because, first of all, we don't want to take advantage of something and hurt the people that really can't pay. But what Stephen's saying is that eventually they're not forgiving the rent. Correct. Okay, they're they're so delaying they're not when they the can take Exactly. They're just giving you time and delaying an action in a court proceeding in which they can collect on the rent that's due. Exactly right. I think we have a break, but I want us yep. to just talk about that. Because I think people might feel you eventually have to pay it. So let's just take this break and let's just talk about that. And Are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, to leave their hard-earned dollars to loved ones or charities of their choice. But when people become ill and need to go into a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain your assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. You can keep your control and your choice over your assets. Connors & Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that's specific specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free, initial, comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. You can also visit them at connorsandsullivan.com. Don't let nursing home bills take your life savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. 
Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. Relief factor, pain relief that's natural, pain relief that works, and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain. I've come from the doctor's clinic this morning, 28 staples out of my knee, and I am not taking painkillers. Why? Because I don't need to. I'm taking Relief Factor. Yes, it's a triple dose, but it doesn't have any negative side effects, and I am doing just fine. Thank you very much. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. See their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com, and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95. That's less than a dollar a day. That's truly remarkable to be liberated from your pain for less than a dollar a day. Find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today. Go right now. ReliefFactor.com. ReliefFactor.com. This is your opportunity to be the next success story. Hi, I'm lifestyle and fashion editor Julie Sagaskin. I'm fitness director Lisa Avellino. And I'm nutrition director Jackie Justice. Wondering what cutting calories and wearing a low-cut dress have in common when it comes to your mind and metabolism? Then tune in to our brand new show. Ladies, it's It's not not our fault. It's It's our hormones and high heels. We'll give you the scoop. And so will our celebrity guests. It's time to get fit and find your perfect fit. Sponsored by Balance 3H+, a doctor-created, medically supervised total wellness program that uses evidence-based science that's helped thousands of women reclaim their youthful spirit and zest for life. B3H Plus will design a program just for you. It's time to refresh and reboot so you can live better and look younger longer. Call today, 914-703-4811 or go to balance3hplus.com and join Julie, Lisa, and Jackie for Ladies, It's Not Our Fault, It's Our Hormones and High Heels. Saturday afternoons at 3 on AM 970, The Answer. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back, and I have a a quick question I'm going to take from Joe in a second, but I just want to tell everybody that what we're talking about, and I'm trying, you know, on the radio, I try not to make the answers too long or too complicated so you don't switch to another station because, you know, you have to kind of listen and we'll make this brief, but I just want to give you the, the, the order, you know, um, with the Safe Tenant Harbor Act is it allows renters during financial hardships during the pandemic to use that as a legal defense against being booted from their homes to give them some stability. So under this new law, the defense will now be available to those faced with eviction for non-payment of rent before March 7th including many of the 14,000 New Yorkers who have pending eviction warrants issued before the pandemic. So remember, people had, some people had, they had stuff, you know, eviction notices before the pandemic. And if the courts find that they qualify, those tenants cannot be evicted until January 1st. So this is a whole, and this is all open to a lot of different interpretations. Um, so, and it doesn't address the 8,000 people that filed since the pandemic began. So, Steve, I'm just um, I'm going to take a quick question. Joe, you've got to be brief because I'd like Steve to talk a little about this. So, Joe, I'll just take a quick one. And it's got to be on. Hello, Daddy. 
I'm okay, Hello, Joe, and I, 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 I feel obligated to take this question, but you've got to be quick. We've got 10 minutes left, and I want, I want Steve oh, to get it. Hello, Dottie. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, Joe. Okay, Joe. Okay, Dottie. God bless you and yours. Quick question. Okay, you read your joke. Keep us informed. When, when when do you think the housing and landowner courts are going to reopen? Because they offered me 4000 to leave, but it was a setup because they wanted me to give the apartment back and the key, and then they were going to give me know, a certified Joe, You You have a continuing saga, and we're going to talk about that. So just if you can, Stephen, uh, give us uh, the, 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 what did I mean? Like, there's thousands of people waiting to court, so... Yeah, I mean, so the the question and and everything you're saying really all tie in together, and I'm going to even throw on one more uncertainty before I even try to answer it. (laughs) Even once they open, which, by the way, even though we're getting a date, remember, we've had that date pushed out multiple times. So you don't know if that January 1 is going to be pushed out yet again. Um, You're going to have a massive backlog um, that has to be gone through. So keep in mind that a process which may be historically six, nine months or so forth, nobody really exactly knows because we don't really know the exact date of opening. We don't know the amount of backlog. So you're going to see a number of um, attempts, I think, by parties to just settle because I think there's also going to be a lot of confusion. And also, I think you're going to have a problem with facts, right? The the landlord-tenant courts are not well set up to say, Tenant, come back with your test results, right? Imagine if somebody goes through one of those rapid tests or has a high temperature and is self-quarantining. Do they have a receipt of that test result that they well, can I bring don't. to court? Then that's, and that's my point. So now, all of a sudden, you have a, a massive amount of questions of fact that you can't easily prove. And so what's going to happen is you're going to have tenants saying, I did a drive-by test. What day? Ah, uh, I don't know. It, it, was, it was like the fall. The leaves were falling. So I don't know what day. And they said I had a high temperature, so I quarantined. Do you have any proof of that? No. But then they might say, nobody got proof of that. And so what you do is you take a process which has been somewhat standardized in the past, and you're throwing so many curveballs in it, um, it's just going to take a messy situation, and we're going to have, even once things are open, and, and, and we'll see what the ramp-up period is, it's going to be just a messy process. Um, and, um, you know, I mean, look, in, in the old days, if people had a factual fight, right, was there hot water or not, you know, you could at least get a contractor's receipt as to when you replace the hot water heater, you're going to have such an evidentiary problem. Um, it's just going to be full of full of question marks. Um, so it's going to be very, very tough. I feel bad for all the judges and their support staff that are trying to deal with these cases because it will be a, a real holy mess for a while. Well, yeah, and let me say this. So I guess, I mean, if you do have a test, and God, I mean, I hope that it would be positive, but if it's positive and you do have corona, I mean, you need to have documented that, but um, hopefully you went to a doctor or something that you can, um, and if you lost your job or things of that nature. But it is go- but, but just keep in mind, at the end of the day, this is not about forgiving the money you owe. 
Now, on the other hand, uh, Stephen, I'm going to say this is like really a practical question because, right. for example, like I feel for the, the, the landlords, too, because, you know, everyone thinks, well, they hear the word landlord, and they right away think it's some rich, mogul, millionaire. And, you know, as I just told you earlier in the show, buy a two-family, you know, a lot of people are small landlords, you know, just bought like an investment. Hopefully that would be their retirement money. Um, so not everyone is, you know, when people hear real estate that they own, they right away think of, you know, the big, big landlords. But there's a lot of small landlords. And what, okay, at the end of the day, even if you settle, you're going to owe something. But, Stephen, if you have nothing, you know, there's always a saying, like that I've heard, and I, like if somebody owes, let's just say they ended up owing 20000 or $15,000 or 20000 in rent. And um, they go to court, they wait a year or two, and they come and they can't wait, so they come up with some, and they have nothing to take. What is that? I mean, there's another side to this also. Like, what happens to the landlord? Well, it could look, sometimes people are judgment-proof. And, and, here, and here's the scary part. There's two, actually, there's two cases. And what happens is, case number one, let's say the landlord wins and they get a judgment that says, this tenant owes you $25,000. And the landlord wins that case. Don't pop the champagne so fast so you have a judgment. The point that you're making, which is absolutely right now, go collect on that. And what happens is there's a part two. And what happens is you go to the sheriff's office. So this is a little, just a little minor point. The police are part of the executive branch. They are out there actually policing, enforcing law. The sheriff's, or in some cases, marshal's office, they actually work for the court system. They're the ones that enforce judicial orders. So they're the ones you have to then separately go to a, a sheriff's office to then track them down. And then they are the ones that enforce and they're the ones that will take property. You know, if you hear the stories of furniture got tossed out in the street, you got to go to the sheriff's office. And what we're also not talking about is how backlogged are they going to be in this process? So that's that's another point which is not even really on the radar for most people. So, I mean, it's not even discussed. And I, I remember one day, you know, thank God she was okay. So that's the main thing. My daughter was in an accident. She called me mom. She said, I, I was in a car accident. I'm fine. This guy hit me, and the police are here. I have them come, and they said they basically told her, excuse my language, but you're screwed. The guy had no insurance, and he had no money, and he was broke, and basically that was the end of that. I mean, you know, so what I'm saying is, and it's. So can, can, it's I exactly, can I make one point on that before you, you go? Yeah. When it comes to insurance, what most people don't get, and this, by the way, whether it's for auto or whether it's for homeowner's insurance, there is a minimum that's required by law or a minimum that a bank may require. But just because that, that's a minimum number, it's not what makes sense. You can buy auto insurance that protects you if the other guy is underinsured. And when you get homeowner's insurance, you should pick a level that makes sense given the improvements to the property, given what makes sense is what you have in there, if you have artwork or jewelry, or if you need a place to live if it's flooded out or fired out. So whenever you're talking to an insurance professional, don't ask the question of, what's the minimum I need to put my car on the road or for my bank to give me a loan? What makes sense 
given my investment and total risk and have that conversation. It's a big difference. That's, that's, you're 100% correct because, truthfully, you know, again, you can insure yourself over everything, so there's such a thing as, you know, what, you know, when's enough insurance, but I, but I also think that when people, when you, when you have a, a suit with somebody who can't pay it, who doesn't have any assets, who doesn't have anything. Like, this man didn't have insurance. He didn't even have a license. He didn't have car insurance. He had nothing. So if you have nothing, you can sue, but I, I don't know what you're going to get. So we didn't. I mean, and, and thank God she was okay because, you know, my mom died. I think you all know that in a car accident. So the last thing, you know, to me, hey, if everyone's okay, that's the main thing. And it was a minor accident. It wasn't anything big. But I just want to emphasize, you know, you owe money, and that's why landlords, which are only allowed to take one month security now, as Steve said earlier, Stephen said earlier in the show, they're not going to take people that are big risks, because they can only get one month security, and if you are, you know, if you don't have a good credit history, why would they want to take a risk on you? Because... Yeah. And they'll be stuck with you in there. How are going to collect? People don't, you know, so, I mean, and, and again, I do think people need relief, and I think that people that are really legitimately sick or can't work or lost their jobs are generally, you know, going to try to do the best they can to do whatever they can to help, but it is really going to be, in my opinion, a big mess. Yeah, and if I can just add, most people, you know, we're talking about the extremes. Most people are figuring out solutions, and again... If you're having an issue, tenants, the best thing you can do is call your landlord, talk with them, and try to work something out together. All right. And maybe we can talk a little more about this next week. Listen, everyone, have a safe and, and the weather's beautiful. Have a good weekend. We'll be back. We love you. We're from all of us and I am Real Estate. We'll be back next week. Have a great week. I on Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A.